episode 60. Miss Maudie's gold bridge work twinkled. You're mighty dressed up, Miss Jean Louise, she said. Where are your britches today? Under my dress. I hadn't meant to be funny, but the ladies laughed. My cheeks grew hot as I realized my mistake, but Miss Maudie looked gravely down at me. She never laughed at me unless I meant to be funny. In the sudden silence that followed, Miss Stephanie Crawford called from across the room. What you gonna be when you grow up, Jean Louise? A lawyer? No, I hadn't thought about it, I answered, grateful that Miss Stephanie was kind enough to change the subject. Hurriedly, I, I began choosing my vocation. Nurse? Aviator? Well... Why, shoot, I thought you wanted to be a lawyer. You've already commenced going to court. <laughs> the ladies laughed again. That Stephanie's a card, somebody said. Miss Stephanie was encouraged to pursue the subject. Don't you want to grow up to be a lawyer? Miss Maudie's hand touched mine, and I answered mildly enough. No, just a lady. Miss Stephanie eyed me suspiciously decided that I meant no impertinence, and contented herself with, Well, you won't get very far until you start wearing dresses more often. Miss Maudie's hand closed tightly on mine, and I said nothing. Its warmth was enough. Mrs. Grace Merriweather sat on my left, and I felt it would be polite to talk to her. Mr. Merriweather, a faithful Methodist under duress apparently saw nothing personal in singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. It was the general opinion of Maycomb, however, that Mrs. Merriweather had sobered him up and made a reasonably useful citizen of him. For certainly, Mrs. Merriweather was the most devout lady in Maycomb. I searched for a topic of interest to her. What did y'all study this afternoon? I asked. Oh, child, those poor marooners, she said, and was off. Few other questions would be necessary. Mrs. Mer Merriweather's large brown eyes always filled with tears when she considered the oppressed. Living in that jungle with nobody but J. Grimes Everett, she said. Not a white person will go near them but that saintly J. Grimes Everett. Mrs. Merriweather played her voice like an organ. Every word she said received its full measure. The poverty, the darkness, the immorality. Nobody but J. Grimes Everett knows. You know, when the church gave me that trip to the campgrounds, J. Everett Grimes said to me. Was he there, ma'am? I thought. Home on leave. J. Grimes Everett said to me, he said, Mrs. Merriweather, you have no conception, no conception of what we are fighting over there. That's what he said to me. Yes, ma'am. I said to him, Mr. Everett, I said, the ladies of the Maycomb, Alabama Methodist Episcopal Church South are behind you 100%. That's what I said to him. And you know, right then and there, I made a pledge in my heart. I said to myself, when I go home, I'm going to give a course on the Marooners and bring J. Grimes Everett's message to make them, and that's just what I'm doing. Yes, ma'am. 
when Mrs. Merriweather shook her head. Her black curls jiggled. Jean Louise, she said, you are a fortunate girl. You live in a Christian home with a Christian folks in a Christian town. Out there in Jay Grimes, Everett's land, there's nothing but sin and squalor. Yes, ma'am. Sin and squalor. What was that, Gertrude? Mrs. Merriweather turned on her chimes for the lady sitting behind her. Oh, that. Well, I always say forgive and forget, forgive and forget. Thing that church ought to do is help her lead a Christian life for those children from here on out. Some of the men ought to go out there and tell that preacher to encourage her. Excuse me, Mrs. Merriweather, I interrupted. Are you all talking about Mayella Ewell? Me? No, child. That darkie's wife. Tom's wife. Tom. Robinson, ma'am. Mrs. Merriweather turned back to her neighbor. There's only one thing I truly believe, Gertrude, she continued. But some people just don't see it my way. If we just let them know we forgive them, that we've forgotten it, then this whole thing will blow over. Uh, Mrs. Merriweather, I interrupted once more. What'll blow over? Again, she turned to me. Mrs. Merriweather was one of those childless adults who find it necessary to assume a different tone of voice when speaking to children. Nothing, Jean Louise, she said in stately largo. The cooks and field hands are just dissatisfied, but they're settling down now. They grumbled all next day after that trial. Mrs. Merriweather faced Mrs. Farrow. Gertrude, I tell you there's nothing more distracting than a sulky darky. Their mouths go down to here. Just ruins your day to have one of them in the kitchen. You know what I said to my Sophie, Gertrude? I said, Sophie, I said, you simply are not being a Christian today. Jesus Christ never went around grumbling and complaining. And you know, it did her good. She took her eyes off the floor and said, No, Miss Merriweather, Jesus never went around grumbling. <laughs> I tell you, Gertrude, you never ought to let an opportunity go by to witness for the Lord. I was reminded of the ancient little organ in the chapel at Finch's Landing. When I was very small, and if I had been very good during the day, Atticus would let me pump its bellows while he picked out a tune with one finger. The last note would linger as long as there was air to sustain it. Mrs. Merriweather had run out of air, I judged, and was replenishing her supply while Mrs. Farrow composed herself to speak. Mrs. Farrow was a splendidly built woman with pale eyes and narrow feet. She had a fresh permanent wave, and her hair was a mass of tight gray ringlets. She was the second most devout lady in Maycomb. She had a curious habit of prefacing everything she said with a soft, sibilant sound. Grace, she said, it's just like I was telling Brother Hudson the other day. Brother Hudson. I said. Looks like we're fighting a losing battle. A losing battle, I said. It doesn't matter to him one bit. 
We can educate them till we're blue in the face. We can try till we drop to make Christians out of them, but there's no lady safe in her bed these nights. He said to me, mm, Mrs. Farrow, I don't know we're coming. what we're coming to down here. I told him that was certainly the fact. Mrs. Merriweather nodded wisely. Her voice soared over the clinks of coffee cups and the soft bovine sounds of the ladies munching their dainties. Gertrude, she said, I tell you, there are some good but misguided people in this town. Good but misguided. Folks in this town who think they're doing right, I mean. Now, far be it from me to say who, but some of them in this town thought they were doing the right thing a while back, but all they did was stir them up. That's all they did. Might have looked like the right thing to do at the time. I'm sure I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready in that field, but sulky, dissatisfied. I tell you, if my Sophie'd kept it up another day, I'd have let her go. It's never entered that wool of hers that the only reason I keep her is because this depression's on, and she needs her dollar and a quarter every week she can get it. <laughs>